Blog Talk Radio. This is Michael Vandervoort, and it's June 1st. It is, we're officially in summer. We're in uh, June Pride Month and a whole bunch of kickoff things. Uh, it's been a little while since we've done a show. I've been traveling, and Robin's been busy with work. So, Robin, welcome back to Drive Through HR. Again, we, we get these occasional catch-ups. So, how are you? Mm-hmm. I, am, uh, I am good. It is, uh, here's my commitment, right, as we're sitting here at June 1st, um, is... Um, at least on my end, things have settled down a little bit. So, yeah, let's get back on the schedule of the show. Yeah, yeah, we've, I've got yeah, this show scheduled, and i got another show scheduled on the 7th, and I have a couple things pending. But, yeah, we should be back yeah. on a one-show-per-week-basis you know, one for, uh, for a while, including maybe one from New Orleans, even though I'm not at SHRM. I'll be in New Orleans during SHRM time to – to see you think, and hang uh, out. With I think other. we should do one on Monday. Yep, while we're there. Yeah, Monday. Monday, that'd be great. Um, anyway, yep. let's not talk about New Orleans insurance because that's still a couple weeks away. But let's greet our guest. Our, our guest today is Dr. W. Jason Dunn, and uh, he, he told me it's fine to call him Jason, so I'm going to stick with that. Jason, welcome to Drive Through HR. How are you today? Thanks, Michael and Robin. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to chat with you and your listeners today, and I am doing fantastic. That's awesome. It's it's great for it to be summer, even if you're in Phoenix or Florida, or I, I think you're in Arizona. I don't know. But we're all in temperate I'm in South states, Florida. it's so great for it to be summer, right? So, okay. Anyway, um, why don't you start out, Jason, and just for the benefit of our listeners, tell folks who you are and what you do, and then we'll get into the sort of the other questions related to the show. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. Thank you. Uh, so I'm Jason Dunn. I've been a nurse for 22 years. I've spent actually the last 18 years working in nursing education in different faculty and leadership roles. My last role at the bedside was a critical care nurse working at a medical surgical intensive care unit. My current role is the vice president of operations for Arizona College of Nursing. And I just love my role. Awesome. Fascinating. Let me, uh, yeah. let, me, let me toss in there before we even go any further. Shout out to you and all the caregivers who have always done a wonderful job, but uh, these last two and a half years, I mean, amen. Thank, so thank, thank you to you and everyone um, in your profession. Thanks, Robin. Yep. Yeah. Robin, I don't, did you get the questions I sent over? Yep, 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 yep. So, um, yeah, so let, yep. uh, I was going to say, yeah, let's, let's kind of talk about, um, you know, let's start big and we'll go small, right? But let, let's kind of talk about, you know, um, the nursing profession, which um, it's been, gosh, 20 years since I worked uh, healthcare HR, but I, I remember it. Um, and the nursing profession, um, you know, it's super demanding, and understaffed, perpetually understaffed mm-hmm. in so many areas. Why? Uh, it, it, and we always revisit that and act like it's something new, but it's it's been for so long. <laughs> why? Why is that? Yeah, that's a, a really great question, Robin, and it's multifaceted, really. But let me just start with: I think nursing is a great profession. Been in the profession as I noted earlier, 22 years. 
And it really just offers so many opportunities, I think, from working directly at the bedside, which I did for many years, in places like med surge units, critical care, community health, peds, OB, other specialty areas, to education, where I went into education about 18 years old, 18 years ago, pardon me, in uh, faculty and leadership roles. So there's public health, there's travel nursing. So really nursing and nurses are in every corner of the globe. And so I believe our current state of nursing, it really is a stable profession in terms of job availability, lots of options that are often offer, offer pardon me, flexible uh, with decent entry-level salary. Um, but on that note, uh, nursing is also in a high demand across the country. And the pandemic has done nothing but highlight nursing and nurses' role uh, in our healthcare system. So nursing, I believe, is a demanding profession in many other ways. I believe it's demanding physically and emotionally, and I can attest to that, my 20 years and a couple years at the bedside. But nurses really are on their feet all day. They're transporting patients. They have to physically move patients, you know, mobility. Uh, nurses are caring for really acutely ill patients. And, you know, through the news these last couple of years, we got to see a glimpse of the pandemic and, you know, the impact on healthcare and patients. We really saw the role of the nurses and what they have to contend with uh, day to day. And so they're often dealing with now patients with complex morbidities, and that simply means many patient, patients with two or more diseases or medical conditions that are present. And nurses, as we know, they're, they're actually there when newborns take their first breath and also when someone takes their last breath. So, but despite the many of those demanding aspects of nursing, I believe the good outweighs, and I can truly attest to how a rewarding career this has been. And, and people are starting to see nursing and, and the need of how nurses change lives. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, Jason, it, it, there's so many different um, – this is a question, this is a tangent. <laughs> it occurred to me. There are, <laughs> there are so many different types of nurses, and, and, you know, I know many people in the healthcare profession, although I've never worked there, but – I know somebody who works in a prenatal nursing care, critical care unit and, you know, there's some very specialized roles. And then there's just, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people who just not just, but, you know, aren't, aren't in, in that type of a role, but, but do, you know, a more mainstream job. Can you talk to us a little bit about the different disciplines like RN and LPN, you know, what else, you know, kind of just basically there is in the profession and what, and what the, what the background required is, just generic, you know, generic, not a real specific description. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question. And oftentimes folks get confusing because we say a nurse is a nurse. Um, but we have um, different types of nurses, if you will. So you, you pointed out that nurses work in a variety of different settings, specialty areas, et cetera, and more general streams. But, you know, we have LPNs. They're licensed practical nurses or licensed vocational nurses, and they're called that in California and Texas and maybe another state, but they're a, um, a much more condensed um, program of study. Their scope of practice is a little, a little more limited, depending on state regulations and the Nurse Practice Act. And then you have a registered nurse, um, which is what I am. I've been for 22 years. And so there's multiple entry points into nursing as a registered nurse. You can, the old programs or diploma programs, barely closely aligned with hospital-based programming. Um, then you have associate degree programs, which a lot of our community colleges still employ. And then you have bachelor's degree programs, the BSN and nursing uh, program, which is what Arizona College offers. And our program is about three years in length, depending on transfer credits in and out. And so beyond the pre-licensure world, then you get into nurse practitioners or master's nurse in nursing education, master's in informatics. There's a whole other world beyond bedside nursing. And then, of course, you get into the doctoral programs, 
I have a doctoral nursing practice with an educational focus specifically to teach and to do the administrative work that I like to do. But again, that's a whole other world, and we have PhD nurses who are into research and you know, building our profession and looking at new breakthroughs in patient care and those kinds of things. And, and one other specific question, just to tag on to that, because you mentioned it, and I've heard it come up so much recently, what is a traveling nurse? Yes, the travel nurse companies have been around for a long time, a very long time. And so they employ nurses who are actually willing to relocate and travel to different places and different health systems that actually have staffing shortages or they have staffing needs. So that travel nurse uh, positions, if you will, these last couple of years, the pandemic has really highlighted travel nursing because, you know, certain states were really hit hard with the pandemic um, and they needed more staffing, more nurses. Nurses were leaving healthcare, you know, at fast, rapid rates. And so travel nursing are companies that basically place nurses from their home state into another state um, and actually even outside the country uh, into areas and health systems that require their services. Is that normally a temporary basis or is that a permanent placement? Yeah, that's typically um, a temporary thing. They do turn in sometimes to permanent placements. Um, nurses can often choose where they want to go and, and how long they want to stay and re-sign contracts. You know, sometimes they're short-term contracts, sometimes they're a little bit of a longer-term contract. But generally, it's meant to be a short-term relief for staffing challenges and to meet patient care needs. Um, I've known nurses, actually, who've relocated to Florida from other states in the travel world, and they've ended up setting up shop, finding husbands or partners, and, you know, setting up shop here and, and working full-time and, and residing mm -hmm. in the state. Gotcha. What, what, um, you know, I'm also going off on a tangent, but, um, you know, the nursing, the nursing shortage, like I mentioned before, we've been talking about it forever. Um, and then I think COVID just brought it to the forefront again and really got folks to take, take a look at it. So I'm, I, I'm in Louisiana and so we, um, there was recently an article that, you know, the projection um, over the next 8, 10 years or something is we're going to be 6,000 nurses short in the state, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which gets back to the educational piece, obviously, of how do, what are some of the things that, that you've done or that you see happening, you know, across healthcare to get folks interested in nursing as a profession how do we get at that at that gap of we know we're going to have this need uh, it's just always mystifies we've, we've never been able to connect it even though we we know it yeah robin it's uh, certainly a great question and as you earlier noted your hr experience in healthcare uh, goes back 20 years and so we've been having yeah. some of the same conversations and so Truly, I mean, your point about the nationwide shortage, there is a shortage of nurses. There's, there was a shortage of nurses that was well-documented even before COVID-19 pandemic. The yeah. pandemic really has only increased the need for nurses, which has caused further understaffing in many areas. So I believe coupled with the COVID-19 pandemic, et cetera, we got the baby boomer generation continue to age and retire. At the same time, general population is aging. So that's causing the increased demand for nurses. You quoted in yeah. your state, 6,000 nurses, the American Association of College of Nursing anticipates 1 million nurses 
will actually retire by 2030. That's only eight years away. So we've got to wow. get it together. <laughs> we've got to have a different conversation about how we move forward. Um, and if you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they're saying that nursing jobs are projected to grow by 9% in the next 10 years, and that's faster than any other occupation in the United States. But nursing school enrollment is not keeping pace with the demand for even higher interest. So I believe, huh. and you can see from the data tra tracking from state to state, that many nursing qualified applicants are not admitted, and there's not enough slots open for nursing programs. So I think part of your answer is that we need to build a nursing pipeline. So I believe mm -hmm. an organization like mine, Arizona College of Nursing, is really hoping to address the nursing shortage by providing another option to those wanting to pursue nursing education. So we have about 11 plus campuses now uh, throughout the United States. We have a very um, assertive and aggressive growth plan. We want to create access to nursing education. We want to create access to nursing education so we can build the pipeline and support health systems and the nursing need as we move forward. Um, so I believe that we need to start looking at inventive and creative models of patient care um, on, the, on the nursing units. We need to have different conversations about the nurse's workload, um, the patient's mm -hmm. nurse acuity levels. We need to look at using um, auxiliary staff, like lower level nursing folks or entry level patient care techs, those kind of folks. Um, getting them engaged in the model of care so nurses can focus directly on direct patient care versus nurses sometimes are the jack of all trades. They're mopping the floors, mm -hmm. they're feeding the patients, they're mm -hmm. taking care of dietary needs, they're fixing machines. They're, so I think if we allow those different models to evolve and have those kind of conversations, um, I think we can start to address um, some of these challenges that, that seem quite daunting when you look at some of the statistics. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to thinking of some of the things that we talked about, uh, you know, in, in my healthcare days was, you know, as, as you talked about the different, you know, LPN to an RN to a BSN type of thing. Um, and we mm -hmm. would get, we would get lots of, you know, um, folks starting their career. They wanted to work in healthcare. Um, we did really well recruiting and getting uh, CNAs, for example, in. And they saw that many as, this is maybe my first step. I'm going to come in as a CNA, see how, mm -hmm. uh, if this is what I think it will be, and then I'll go to an LPM program, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think one of the challenges we ran into is once they started working, then it was hard for them to take the time off to go to school or to have yes. that flexibility to, you know, Okay, yeah, I want to I want to go on and go through the LPN program, but I can't not work and and balance mm -hmm. that. So that was a the desire was there, the interest was there, um, but I don't know that the you know um, hospitals whatever uh, support uh, uh, support that enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, Robin. Because I believe again back to we have to be innovative and creative in our strategies and ideas about how do we partner with academia and practice? What does that look like? We yeah. both have to be at the table yeah. coming up with these solutions. And so our program at Arizona College, we front load our general education. So students are able to carry on work, you know, obviously they have family needs and uh, taking care of kids and all those kind of things. So they can um, come into our program for the first four semesters and take gen ed uh, and be reasonable in terms of how they're balancing their life. And then they move into nursing. Yeah where we give them a lot of time to kind of really help focus. Um, the supports are there to help them be successful. 
But it's truly, I think we have to wrap the education model around the learner. I think long gone are the days of traditional students. There are no traditional students anymore. So we have to, as an educational institution, understand where our learner is coming from, what are their needs, and how do we wrap the educational experience around them. Mm-hmm. It, it, um, Jason, one of the things we're, I just want to reset real quickly. We're at um, about th- 14 minutes left in the show, so we're a little more than halfway through. This is Michael. I'm with Robin today, and our guest is Jason Dunn from Arizona College of Nursing, and we're talking about some some aspects of nursing education and, and careers. Um, Jason, I wanted to pivot for a little bit to kind of talk about something that you've, you've lived through and, and myself in a different profession um, because both nursing and human resources are often considered to be <laughs> both, both are, are female-dominated um, more so yeah. than many other career paths. Um, and I, I think that balance in HR may be a little more equal than it is in nursing based on just my limited perception of visiting hospitals. But even so, it, mm-hmm. it's um, – it's different. So you, you lived through that. Can you talk to us a little bit about that balance and what the sort of the state of men becoming nurses looks like today? Absolutely. It's a, a great question and one that's certainly near and dear to my heart. <laughs> so when I entered nursing all those years ago in the 90s, um, I was always labeled a male nurse, but then a female nurse was just a nurse. And so <laughs> I think part of it is <laughs> through the years, destigmatizing men in nursing. And I think we've come a long way. Let me just give you a quick stat, if I remember correctly. Um, And this is from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. But currently, we have 12% of registered nurses are now men. And that's up from 2.7% of male RNs in 1970. So I do believe we're making some really positive strides forward. Um, But I think, from my perspective, the COVID pandemic was our worst nightmare, but also had some silver linings. And I think it really completely shifted supply and demand for nurses, creating new economic conditions, which we can go into great detail about, I'm sure you all know. But that may be really encouraging more men to join the profession. Um, the pandemic in and of itself, I, I think, shed a light on nursing, led us into the, the lives of nurses. What does the daily day professional nursing look like? So I believe, you know, I'm on the education side of business, I believe we have to re- really consider recruiting more men in nursing education. We need strong male nursing figures in education that will attract other males to the profession and create the pipeline and, and, and see that number go from 12% even higher. So, again, we have to destigmatize. I also think we have to get out into the, the school systems and talk about nursing and talk about a man in nursing, what that looks like, um, and really showcase men and their contributions. And so I do believe we've made strides as I opened my initial comments about that earlier, but I do believe we still have a lot of work to do. Are there any other, are there any other pipelines, you know, like, I, I mean, not, not just gender-based, but like from a, a recruiting either for talent in hospitals or for schools, are there other pipelines you are look, that you're looking at? I mean, are there different, you know, are different countries or anything in, in an effort to try to broaden the, 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 the talent pool? Well, I think we touched a little bit on it earlier, some of the the pieces of it. So looking at folks who are at the lower level, uh, nursing, patient care tech, CNAs, really create opportunities, to Robin's point earlier, that that allow them to transition. And that could be one big, huge pipeline. It's just how do we wrap the education around the student so that it works for the student and they balance life. The other piece is diversity. So our college is 68% diverse in terms of our student body. 
So I think okay. as, as we look around in our communities, I think that's a huge piece. And there's a lot of research done that says if the nurse looks like me or comes from my place of country or origin or ethnicity or has the same cultural practices and beliefs, patient care outcomes improve. So I think diversity is really important as we kind of tackle as we move forward and attracting folks from all different cultures and walks of life into nursing. It's so important. And then I do believe that just looking locally, I mean, looking locally for talent uh, in terms of where folks are, many people, what we've seen a big shift of in the last couple of years is people are coming into nursing as a second career. And so how do we target those folks in the initial career and what piques the interest that make them want to look outside their current career and come into nursing and, and dabble in nursing? So those are a couple of pipelines. I also believe, as I touched on, the you know, getting in front of students, you know, high school students, younger even, uh, in front of them, talking about nursing, doing day-in-the-life of nurse programs, getting exposed mm-hmm. to what that might look like. Um, those are all kinds mm-hmm. of definitely, definitely pipelines that we, uh, we need to continue to explore as we move forward. Yeah. Okay. We have about nine minutes left, Robin. Yep. Yep. Um, sort of building on that and getting, um, you know, getting um, getting students in and excited that um, at the start of the profession. What um, what what are some basic educational requirements that someone coming into a nursing program um, should have? Like, how should they have prepared themselves? Uh, you know, through high school or young adulthood or whatever, because um, what are they going to experience when they're in a nursing program? Absolutely. Yeah. So definitely as students, we're, you know, we're helping navigate students through the high school years. We're looking at science and math. Those are really important components of nursing and healthcare in general. Um, so, for example, with Arizona College, students can enter directly uh, into our organization from high school. Um, we have others that come from community colleges where they've started to do some of their gen ed, maybe have identified a major, decided it wasn't for them, they're looking for a little bit more of a professional kind of end point. And so um, others, as I talked earlier about, these second-degree students who come in. So we look at all the students' individual perspective. We look at transfer credits. We look at awarding transfer credits as needed um, based on policies, procedures. And at the end of the day, we want to make sure our students are set up for the most success but yeah, I mean, there's there's multiple ways to gain entry into um, into nursing, and we have the Bachelor's of Science in Nursing program, which is a four-year degree. Um, but I mentioned earlier, there's other routes. There's an associate degree in nursing um, through the, often community colleges. There's often some programs in the in the states that have diploma nursing um, that's still opening and um, recruiting folks. So yeah, lots of different ways to come into nursing. You know, it, it, it seems to – I was thinking of – I used to live in a small mountain town in northeastern Georgia, and it seemed like we had a different doctor every six months at, at our – you know, they, they couldn't staff doctors in those small towns, and the hospital really wasn't much – it was more like a, a, a big urgent care place, right? So there's there's all sorts of – you know, and you, you alluded to traveling nurses and you know, different places people can work. It seems to me there's all these career paths and there's all these different regional career opportunities that people could take advantage of if they were in the profession. Um, is, is, that, is that a piece of the career that is that – do people move around a lot or do they – are there other forces at work, you know, that they don't make enough or they, they want to stay in, a, in their hometown? Have you got any, any insight into any of that kind of piece of it, Jason? 
I think some of it, honestly, is, and all the things that you said are, are correct, um, but I think some of it is generational. What we're seeing today is, you know, my generation, probably older, you, you got a job, you stayed there often for a longer period of time, you committed to the organization, um, you moved around perhaps in the organization, but the newer, younger generations today, and even our students as they're exiting our program, they're wanting to jump into specialty areas where that was really unheard of in my day. Normally you went to mm. a med surge unit, you put your time in, but now these students mm -hmm. are wanting to jump into neonatal intensive care and ICUs and emergency departments and OB units that are a little bit more specialized training and resource um, required to kind of go in there safely and competently taking care of kids, um, but also um, want that flexibility. I mean, we're seeing it more and more as we kind of move through the end, if, you know, fingers crossed of the pandemic, that people want flexibility and our nurses, they want the same. They want that flexibility. So they're moving around. They're looking at career laddering. They're looking at next degree options so they can plan, you know, where to be as they move forward um, to nursing. But, you know, one point, as I made earlier, that there's so much opportunity in nursing. Nurses are in every single corner of the globe, and the opportunities are endless. They're just so endless. Hmm. What's, um, what's the tip that you have? Um, you know, one of the things, of course, we've alluded to throughout the conversation, we've, we've certainly seen it, heard about it over the, the last couple of years especially, is burnout for nurses. Um, yes. What do, you, what do you tell students or nurses, you know, currently working, um, that they should do the kind of, you know, self-care and, um, of, you know, mm -hmm take care of themselves and avoid that, you know, dreaded burnout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Burnout is huge. I think any profession can experience burnout, but nurses and other yeah. medical professionals, huge, huge risk for burnout. And we've seen through the pandemic, as you're alluding, Robin, that nurse burnout is a real thing. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned self-care. There's a whole, that's a whole big bucket. So there's all these multi-pieces of the self-care. And so, that, that's one of the main pieces, I believe, are key factors in helping nurses, not only just nurses in the units working with patients, but also our students as they're moving through our yeah. program. Um, and so other healthcare professionals are combating the burnout as well. But I believe nurses who engage in things like mindfulness programs, meditation, yoga, physical activity, um, we have spaces to provide ongoing um, conversations about the impact and how they're feeling and experiencing. The strong interpersonal relationships are key and also providing supportive venues for open and honest dialogue, uh, all been very helpful as you know, I've, I've looked back as nurses are transitioning through the COVID pandemic. But really, yeah. number one thing, prioritize mental and physical health. Amen. <laughs> I had, I had a, a kind of a big question at the end, but we don't have time to, I don't think, to address it sufficiently. So I'm going to skip away from the labor relations angle um, to wrap up. And uh, Jason and I, I'm just going to go straight to um, kind of like final thoughts from you about, uh, about Arizona College of Nursing or the profession and then tell folks um, if there's any place that they can go online to contact you if they want to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. And so just in general, you know, as folks are considering nursing as a profession, I would say talk to a nurse, get connected, ask questions about the profession, sign up for webinars and seminars that introduce you to nursing, listen to the nurse's perspective, look at roles, responsibilities, 
Think about it. Be reflective. Do you have the qualities and characteristics of a nurse? Are you a multitasker? Do you show empathy? Can you take charge? What about your leadership abilities? Um, visit schools. Like, go around and visit schools before you land on somewhere that you want to invest in. Is it a right fit? Is the culture feeling right to you? Uh, what are the support systems available and the resources for your success? Um, and really, um, a BSN RN degree, I believe, offers you the most options and the ability to grow into leadership roles and often change positions. So Arizona College of Nursing, we do offer that BSN degree. It's a three-year program for those looking uh, to earn their degree faster. And so, again, earlier conversation, transfer credits will lessen the time uh, to get to the end of the BSN program. But, yeah, BSN program really is, is where I would recommend folks kind of look today. Um, the other piece is, in terms of where you can find us, uh, we are on the website, so www.arizonacollege.edu. And one of our wonderful, kind, friendly folks will be happy to help and assist you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen, I, I appreciate you coming on. We don't do health care shows very Me often. Too. And I, I thing and ed, educational, no pun intended. So thanks for being our guest. And when the, uh, when we end the show... We will all be disconnected, but the link I sent you will let you listen or share it around uh, live. So please have a great rest of the week. And, Robin, have a great rest of the week as well. Yep. Ditto. Great chat, everybody. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. All right. Appreciate the time. Take care. You got it. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.